Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day as we look out and see all the, the beauty of creation. We thank you, our Father, for this day that's been set aside to honor fathers. <clears throat> we know that you're the good, good father, the best father, the father that we look to our whole life to lead, guide, and direct us. We thank you for our earthly fathers. We thank you for this day that we can come together and worship you, God, our Father. Now we pray, our Father, that your Holy Spirit will dwell amongst us in such a way that we will be fed the Word of God, that we will be encouraged by the Word of God, and if there'd be one here, Lord, that does not know you as the their personal Savior, that they don't have a spiritual father, that they might receive him today into their heart, into their life, that they might know the peace that passes all understanding. Now, Father, we pray your blessing upon each uh, child that's in the classes that are being taught, and may they, Lord, learn of thee such a way that they hide it in their heart that they might not sin against God. <clears throat> Lord, we pray for this class. We pray for each member of it. And we're thankful for all those who are here attending today. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, what a, a terrible mess it seems to be in. And a division among the people. And we know only you can bring about peace and honor. And may that be done. We pray in Jesus' name, thy help in preaching, teaching your word today. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we'd like to uh, have the theme of the blueprint for the family. The blueprint for the family. If you have your Bibles and you're in Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I'm sure most of you know that a blueprint is a proposed document. Or it could be in this day and time an elect the electronic design for the structure of a building. Now God has a blueprint, a blueprint for the family. He initiated this plan in the Garden of Eden when he brought together the first man and woman. He brought them together, which then he performed the first marriage and set a standard for the family unit. Let's read that standard in Genesis 2 and verse 18. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should live alone. I will make him a help fit for him. Then we drop down to verse 21. And God creates woman here. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. In other words, God performed the first 
operation, Dr. God. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto man. Now, we're looking at verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his, unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Let's go to Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter number 19. And now we're going to see that Jesus is going to quote what we just read from what Brother Moses wrote in the book of Genesis. Chapter 19 and verse number 3. The Pharisees also come to him, that's Jesus, testing him and said unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not heard that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Therefore they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. So thus we see one man, one woman, together in life for a monogamous relationship. That's God's blueprint. That's God's plan for the family. Now in this family unit, God ordained or set forth the father to represent him in the home. So the father, the intent from the beginning was that the father would represent God the father in the home. Now, I know that if I were among those that are liberal and do not think the way that the Bible states that I would be politically incorrect. But I want to be biblically correct. Therefore, I'm going to tell you that God intended for fathers to be the head of their home. Biblically, the father is the head and the final authority of the home. Mother is to be a supporter, a helpmate. We just read that in Genesis chapter 2. God created the woman to be a help to her husband. Now we can go to Ephesians chapter 5 and see what the Apostle Paul says about this situation. Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 22 through 25. And Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So now, husbands, we see here that we have a responsibility that we are to love our wives and our family and that we should be so much in love that we are willing to lay down our life for them, if it would come to that. Verse 28, Paul says, So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hath hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And so we see that the father's role is to shape the family and as parents to produce reverence in your home as the father is uh, the head of the home, as God is the head of the church and God is our superior, uh, supreme uh, being that we reverence him. And the scripture teaches this in Exodus chapter 20. should be very familiar to you. If I say Exodus chapter 20, you should automatically know that is the Ten Commandments. And so we go to what Moses said to the children of Israel in verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the, upon the land which the Lord God giveth thee. And then we go to uh, Paul's writing in chapter 6 of Ephesians in verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. Children are to reverence or honor their, their parents, and their lives will be long. That's God's promise to the family. Now, the natural character of God is illustrated in the title Father. Let's think about the most famous prayer that was prayed in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Be thy name. This is uh, uh, honor to the name of God. Honor and glory to Him. And so this principle needs to be also seen in the family. That children honor their father and their mother. Now, here's we have the problem. A lot of fathers, especially in this day and time, aren't even in the home. They might be a bi biological contribution to the family, but that's about all they do. Our family life, our, our, our culture today has eliminated the role of father in many cases. So we have spiritually delinquent fathers that they destroy the image that God wanted to the children and the family to perceive of him as the father would represent the heavenly father. And so we see that our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. Let's turn to Matthew chapter number 7. We heard in that song that we played this morning for our, our uh, <clears throat> offering. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. If then 
being evil, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to them that ask Him. So God wants every father and every home to represent Him in reverence and in doing good towards His family. But we have a lot of spiritually delinquent fathers that have destroyed this plan that God has set forth to teach to children. Either they're lost or they are out of fellowship dads. In other words, here's how they feel. They don't go to church. They use foul language. They curse God. They are abusers. They are drinkers. They make little of the church and the Christian life. This is, this is the per perception in most families today, even if the father is present. Thankful for a good number of godly men in our church. Now kids draw conclusions from their fathers. A young man especially will look more towards his father than he will his mother if he's present. So we've got to understand <clears throat> that in doing this, we are telling our children how we feel about God by the way we behave ourselves. So if dad doesn't really love me, then God must not love me. This is the perception that children can possibly have. God doesn't place a personal interest in me, thus God must not really care for me. Dad doesn't, or Dad says he loves me, but he never connects, he never corrects me. Therefore, God must love me, but he doesn't mind that I sin. These are perceptions that children can get from, from their fathers if they're not godly fathers. Dad is always angry. Thus, God must be an angry God. God hates black men. So, God must hate black men. Dad, Dad does not attend church. Thus, it must not be important. Or more for moms since mom goes by herself so much. You see, these are perceptions that children can get simply by our behavior as men in the home. You see, fathers should set an example in teaching and training children about God. And mothers should reinforce that, what the father teaches. And the church, thirdly, you see, you're going to have three uh, underlying uh, supports here. The church then can teach and train and give double protection. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way she go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Now why is this important? It's important because <laughs> I'm sure everybody here understands why it's important in the depth uh, in, in the way that we're living today and the 
number of people are being killed and all the corruption and crime and, and chaos and lawlessness that's going on. Why is it important? Because the world's atmosphere is anti-God. It is anti-Christian, anti-church, and anti-family. Let's just take the, the, the word education today. The word education, especially secular education. God is a dirty word. Did you know that? God is a dirty word. You can't pray in school. Can't read the Bible in school. Can't have the Ten Commandments posted on the wall. Can't sing Christmas carols. You can't have a nativity scene. Uh, a religious picture cannot be hung on the walls. Religious quotes have been taken out of the history books. Religion is not why, did you know this? Religion is not why the pilgrims came to America. Hmm. Why did they come then? They were, they were leaving a king that forced them to worship the way he ordained that they should. And so they left and they came across 3,000 miles of dangerous water to establish their own freedom of religion. But you know what schools can do? Schools can teach evolution. That we came from lower life forms millions of years ago and we have evolved into what we are today. Well, for the six, last 6,000 years, man hasn't evolved at all. We've stayed the same. That's because man wasn't created but 6,000 years ago according to the book of Genesis. It's called creation. In the beginning, God created. But schools can teach witchcraft. Did you know that? Cultism. They can study from a humanistic point of view. They can have gay clubs. They can have same-sex bathrooms. They can teach children that gay relationships are normal and, and should be accepted. They can hand out condoms. They can send kids to abortion clinics. They can send kids to plant, Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, got caught selling human body parts from aborted babies recently. You see, society is evil and saturated with sex. Atheists and agnostics have equal rights. Activists want to do away with gender. No more father and mother. You're partners now. So call your husband, your partner, and husbands call your wife, your partner, and you'll be politically correct. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. Amen. Divorce destroys the home and family. Abortion murders innocent children, and the Supreme Court of the United States approves it. Uh, euthanasia threatens the elderly. Y'all better be careful. Christians are pictured as hate mongers if we disagree with society as weak, as weird, as superstitious. That's the way we're viewed. These are reasons that fathers need to stand up on the principles of the Bible and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so parents, many unsaved parents and liberal Christians contribute to denying the importance of God to children. They say, don't do as I do, do as I say. So in other words, it's all right if I want to get drunk, but you can't. It's all right if I want to destroy my body with cigarettes, tobacco, and you can't. It's all right if I want to take some marijuana, but you can't. Hey, listen, if you're going to do it, you might as well let them do it because they're going to sneak behind your back and do it if they see you do it. So set the right example. Inconsistent testimonies at home. Pray in church and cuss at the house. That's compromise. Jesus said in chapter 6 of Matthew and verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So you see, friends, children in this day and time are given too much and have little responsibility. And their attitude becomes this. If I destroy it, mom will just buy me another. That's their attitude. Children are allowed to use tobacco. Children are allowed to gamble, drink, watch R and X-rated movies, porn, violent video games, listen to music that cusses and degrades women, encourages drug and alcohol use and suicide. This is what they're listening to, this type of music today. They're allowed to go to their rooms and have sex. Believe me, I know this. They're allowed to smoke pot, experiment. And when we allow our children to do these things, we're saying to Hollywood and to the liberal media, we want more lewd. We want more sadistic. We want more sensuality. We want more of those kind of movies and programmings. Certainly this is satanically influenced. So what can a true Christian family do? What can a true Christian family do? First of all, we can set the biblical example. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Again, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So those of you who have reared your children in this church or in a church, you've done the right thing. Whether they wanted to come or didn't want to come, if they were here, they were under the Word of God. That's where they need to be. That's where they ought to be. Deuteronomy chapter 6. God emphasized to the families in Israel how they should rear their children. Chapter 6, we're going to read verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee today, shalt thou have them in thine heart. 
Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy ways, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Listen, friends. Bringing your children to Sunday school, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service is not going to kill them. It's going to help them in the long run. And thou shalt bind them. It's talking about the Word of God. Bind them as a sign upon their hand. And they shall be as frontlets between their eyes. And they shall write them upon the post of thy house and upon the gates. And they shall be when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land. He swore unto the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities which thou buildest not. I remember some, time, some years ago, ladies used to have home, interior, home interior decorating parties. Any of you ladies ever been to one of those? Well... I knew if Debbie went, she's going to buy something to put on the wall. But I was thankful that a lot of that stuff was godly. And it had scripture verses that you could buy and hang on the wall. And I thought, well, that goes along with, with the, what God says in the book of Deuteronomy here. Putting the scripture in front of our kids where they can see it. Give them scriptural reasons for a Christian standard. So we look at, let's look at a few of those that the Jews used to, to uh, uh, teach their children. Exodus chapter 12, verse 26. The children of, of Israel had just sacrificed the Passover lamb. Chapter 12, verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what means ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered them out of the houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Why do I have to go to church? Because that's where you're going to learn right from wrong Besides what I'm teaching you, it will reinforce this because you have a soul and you need to have it saved and I want you to be under the teached word, the taught word. Go to chapter 4 of the book of Joshua and recall that Joshua had led the children after uh, Moses died. He led them uh, out of the wilderness into the promised land. In chapter 4, verse 21, they had built an altar of, of rocks on the side of, of the Jordan. And in the middle of Jordan, 12 stones, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they're teaching their children their history. Chapter 4, verse 21. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask your fathers in time to come, saying, What mean? These stones. And ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of, of the Jordan from, <clears throat> from before you until he, you were uh, passed over at the Lord God 
uh, did to the, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. And all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, which is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. You see, God allowed the children of Israel to understand why they were serving him. Because he brought them out of Egypt. Because he took them across into the promised land. And you and I, we're to train our children and our grandchildren and our neighbor's children if they don't go to church. We're to train them as much as we can about God. What's the most important thing you can teach your child? Not how to drive. Not how to ride a bicycle. Not how to ride a four-wheeler. Not how to shoot a shotgun. Not how to... Uh, Throw out a fish rod. You teach them the Word of God. That's what's going to save their soul. That's what will mean eternity to them. Wouldn't it be sad if you had a child that died and it wasn't saved? You didn't do your part. If you didn't bring them up in the church. Just like we were talking about Jeremy. Jeremy got saved in this church. Well, he became a prodigal for a while. But look where he is now. Teaching. Teaching the Word of God to people that were just like him at one time. Had no hope. Dying of drugs. And now he's a man of God again. So it's important, folks, that we emphasize this to those that, that we love and our families and our friends. Notice what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, don't teach them the wrong things, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice what uh, Paul said to his preacher boy Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When those children are not under your roof and they're at the school or they're out with their friends, and drugs or alcohol or, or promiscuous activities are proposed to them and they've been taught the Word of God in Sunday school and in youth meeting and, and in uh, youth classes, they'll know, they'll have a special uh, encouragement from the Holy Spirit not to get involved in what is wrong if you teach them. And so my friends, the Christian home the Christian family and the church involved in, in preserving godliness possibly, I'm going to say possibly, can save America. Possibly. It can if we put our work and our mind to it. If we'll be Bible schoolers. If we'll teach our children. If we'll encourage our grandchildren. Our neighborhood children. Get them to church. Go up and down the hollers and reach them for the Lord. 
Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I do not know everyone's heart here today. I am not a heart reader. God is. But if you're here today and you're not saved, or you're here today and you're not where you ought to be with the Lord as a mom, a dad, grandparent, and God is speaking to your heart through the word that has been given to you, that you need to step up to the plate and start doing better than what you have been. You need to recommit your life. You need to tell God you're sorry and you want to do all you can to rescue your children, your grandchildren, your neighborhood children. You want to do all you can to see that they go to heaven. When Jonna told her mother and I that she was pregnant, the first thing that came to my mind is we've got to get these kids saved. We've got to see them come to know Jesus. It's your obligation to God, your obligation to your, your children to teach them about God. Now this video that we're going to see is about a man who, who was wavered, hell-bound. He's going to tell you that. But he got saved. And he's singing about and preaching about God now. So look up and watch. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day as we look out and see all the, the beauty of creation. We thank you, our Father, for this day that's been set aside <clears throat> to honor fathers. <clears throat> we know that you're the good, good father, the best father. The Father that we look to our whole life to lead, guide, and direct us. We thank you for our earthly fathers. We thank you for this day that we can come together and worship you, God, our Father. Now we pray, our Father, that your Holy Spirit will dwell amongst us in such a way that we will be fed the Word of God, that we will be encouraged by the Word of God, and if there'd be one here, Lord, that does not know you as the, their personal Savior, that they don't have a spiritual Father, that they might receive Him today into their heart, into their life, that they might know the peace that passes all understanding. Now, Father, we pray your blessing upon each uh, child that's in the classes, that are being taught, and may they, Lord, learn of thee in such a way that they hide it in their heart that they might not sin against God. <clears throat> Lord, we pray for this class. We pray for each member of it, and we're thankful for all those who are here attending today. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, what a, a terrible mess it seems to be in a division among the people. And we know only you can bring about peace and honor. And may that be done 
We pray in Jesus' name thy help in preaching, teaching your word today. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we'd like to uh, have the theme of the blueprint for the family. The blueprint for the family. If you have your Bibles and you're in Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I'm sure most of you know that a blueprint is a proposed document. Or it could be in this day and time an elect electronic design for the structure of a building. Now God has a blueprint. A blueprint for the family. He initiated this plan in the Garden of Eden when he brought together the first man and woman. He brought them together, which then he performed the first marriage and set a standard for the family unit. Let's read that standard in Genesis 2 and verse 18. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should live alone. I will make him a help fit for him. Then we drop down to verse 21. And God creates woman here. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. In other words, God performed the first Operation, Dr. God. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto man. Now, we're looking at verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his, unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let's go to Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter number 19. And now we're going to see that Jesus is going to quote what we just read from what Brother Moses wrote in the book of Genesis. Chapter 19 and verse number 3. The Pharisees also come to him, that's Jesus, testing him and said unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, had you not heard that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Therefore they are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. So thus we see one man, one woman, together in life for a monogamous relationship. That's God's blueprint. That's God's plan for the family. 
Now, in this family unit, God ordained or set forth the Father to represent him in the home. So the Father, the intent from the beginning was that the Father would represent God the Father in the home. Now, I know that if I were among those that are liberal and do not think the way that the Bible states that I would be politically incorrect. But I want to be biblically correct. Therefore, I'm going to tell you that God intended for fathers to be the head of their home. Biblically, the father is the head and the final authority of the home. Mother is to be a supporter, a helpmate. We just read that in Genesis chapter 2. God created the woman to be a help to her husband. Now we can go to Ephesians chapter 5 and see what the Apostle Paul says about this situation. Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 22 through 25. And Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So now, husbands, we see here that we have a responsibility that we are to love our wives and our family and that we should be so much in love that we are willing to lay down our life for them, if it would come to that. Verse 28, Paul says, so ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hath hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. And so we see that the father's role is to shape the family. And as parents, to produce reverence in your home as the father is uh, the head of the home, as God is the head of the church and God is our superior, uh, supreme uh, being that we reverence him. And the scripture teaches this in Exodus chapter 20. should be very familiar to you. If I say Exodus chapter 20, you should automatically know that is the Ten Commandments. So we go to what Moses said to the children of Israel in verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the, upon the land which the Lord God giveth thee. And then we go to uh, Paul's writing in chapter 6 of Ephesians in verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. Children are to reverence or honor their, their parents, and their lives will be long. 
That's God's promise to the family. Now, the natural character of God is illustrated in the title Father. Let's think about the most famous prayer that was prayed in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. name. This is uh, uh, honor to the name of God. Honor and glory to Him. And so this principle needs to be also seen in the family. That children honor their father and their mother. Now, here's we have the problem. A lot of fathers, especially in this day and time, aren't even in the home. They might be a biological contribution to the family, but that's about all they do. Our family life, our, our, our culture today has eliminated the role of father in many cases. So we have spiritually delinquent fathers that they destroy the image that God wanted to the children and the family to perceive of him as the father would represent the heavenly father. And so we see that our heavenly father knows how to give good gifts. Let's turn to Matthew chapter number 7. We heard in that song that we played this morning for our uh, offering. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. If then, being evil, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to them that ask him. So God wants every father and every home to represent him in reverence and in doing good towards his family. But we have a lot of spiritually delinquent fathers that have destroyed this plan that God has set forth to teach to children. Either they're lost or they are out of fellowship dads. In other words, here's how they feel. They don't go to church. They use foul language. They curse God. They are abusers. They are drinkers. They make little of the church and the Christian life. This is, this is the per- perception in most families today, even if the father is present. Thankful for a good number of godly men in our church. Now kids draw conclusions from their fathers. A young man especially will look more towards his father than he will his mother if he's present. So we've got to understand that in doing this, we are telling our children how we feel about God by the way we behave ourselves. So if dad doesn't really love me, then God must not love me. This is the perception that children can possibly have. 
God doesn't place a personal interest in me, thus God must not really care for me. Dad doesn't, or Dad says he loves me, but he never connects, he never corrects me. Therefore, God must love me, but he doesn't mind that I sin. These are perceptions that children can get from, from their fathers if they're not godly fathers. Dad is always angry. Thus, God must be an angry God. God hates black men. So, God must hate black men. Dad, Dad does not attend church. Thus, it must not be important. Or more for moms, since mom goes by herself so much. You see, these are perceptions that children can get simply by our behavior as men in the home. You see, fathers should set an example in teaching and training children about God. And mothers should reinforce that, what the father teaches. And the church, thirdly, you see, you're going to have three uh, underlying uh, supports here. The church, then, can teach and train and give double protection. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way she go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, why is this important? It's important because... <laughs> I'm sure everybody here understands why it's important in the death and uh, in, in the way that we're living today and the number of people are being killed and all the corruption and crime and, and chaos and lawlessness that's going on. Why is it important? Because the world's atmosphere is anti-God. It is anti-Christian, anti-church, and anti-family. Let's just take the... the the word education today. The word education, especially secular education. God is a dirty word. Did you know that? God is a dirty word. You can't pray in school. Can't read the Bible in school. Can't have the Ten Commandments posted on the wall. Can't sing Christmas carols. You can't have a nativity scene. Uh, a religious picture cannot be hung on the walls. Religious quotes have been taken out of the history books. Religion is not why, did you know this? Religion is not why the pilgrims came to America. Hmm. Why did they come then? They were, they were leaving a king that forced them to worship the way he ordained that they should. And so they left and they came across 3,000 miles of dangerous water to establish their own freedom of religion. But you know what schools can do? Schools can teach evolution, that we came from lower life forms millions of years ago, and we have evolved into what we are today. Well, for the six, last 6,000 years, man hasn't evolved at all. We've stayed the same. That's because... Man wasn't created but 6,000 years ago, according to the book of Genesis. It's called creation. In the beginning, God created. But schools can teach witchcraft. Did you know that? Cultism. They can study from a humanistic point of view. 
They can have gay clubs. They can have same-sex bathrooms. They can teach children that gay relationships are normal and, and should be accepted. They can hand out condoms. They can send kids to abortion clinics. They can send kids to plant, Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, got caught selling human body parts from aborted babies recently. You see, society is evil and saturated with sex. Atheists and agnostics have equal rights. Activists want to do away with gender. No more father and mother. You're partners now. So call your husband, your partner, and husbands call your wife, your partner, and you'll be politically correct. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. Amen. Divorce destroys the home and family. Abortion murders innocent children, and the Supreme Court of the United States approves it. Uh, euthanasia threatens the elderly. Y'all better be careful. Christians are pictured as hate mongers if we disagree with society as weak, as weird, as superstitious. That's the way we're viewed. These are reasons that fathers need to stand up on the principles of the Bible and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so parents, many unsaved parents and liberal Christians contribute to denying the importance of God to children. They say, don't do as I do, do as I say. So in other words, it's all right if I want to get drunk, but you can't. It's all right if I want to destroy my body with cigarettes, tobacco, and you can't. It's all right if I want to take some marijuana, but you can't. Hey, listen, if you're going to do it, you might as well let them do it because they're going to sneak behind your back and do it if they see you do it. So set the right example. Inconsistent testimonies at home. Pray in church. And cuss at the house. That's compromise. Jesus said in chapter 6 of Matthew <clears throat> and verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So you see, friends, children in this day and time, are given too much and have little responsibility. And their attitude becomes this. If I destroy it, Mom will just buy me another. That's their attitude. Children are allowed to use tobacco. Children are allowed to gamble, drink, watch R and X-rated movies, porn, violent video games, Listen to music that cusses and degrades women, encourages drug and alcohol use and suicide. This is what they're listening to, this type of music today. They're allowed to go to their rooms and have sex. 
I know this. They're allowed to smoke pot, experiment. And when we allow our children to do these things, we're saying to Hollywood and to the liberal media, we want more lewd. We want more sadistic. We want more sensuality. We want more of those kind of movies and programmings. Certainly this is satanically influenced. So what can a true Christian family do? What can a true Christian family do? First of all, we can set the biblical example. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Again, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So those of you who have reared your children in this church or in a church, you've done the right thing. Whether they wanted to come or didn't want to come, if they were here, they were under the Word of God. That's where they need to be. That's where they ought to be. Deuteronomy chapter 6. God emphasized to the families in Israel how they should rear their children. Chapter 6, we're going to read verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee today, shalt thou have them in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy ways, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Listen, friends, bringing your children to Sunday school, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service is not going to kill them. It's going to help them in the long run. And thou shalt bind them. It's talking about the word of God. Bind them as a sign upon their hand. And they shall be as frontlets between their eyes. And they shall write them upon the post of thy house and upon the gates. And they shall be when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land. He swore unto the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities which thou buildest not. I remember some, time, some years ago, ladies used to have home, inter- home interior decorating parties. Any of you ladies ever been to one of those? Well, I knew if Debbie went, she's going to buy something to put on the wall. But I was thankful that a lot of that stuff was godly. And it had scripture verses that you could buy and hang on the wall. And I thought, well, that goes along with with what God says in the book of Deuteronomy here. Putting the scripture in front of our kids where they can see it. Give them scriptural reasons for a Christian standard. So we look at, let's look at a few of those that the Jews used to to, uh, uh, teach their children. Exodus chapter 12, verse 26. The children of of Israel had just sacrificed the Passover lamb. Chapter 12, verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What means ye by this service? 
that you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered them out of the houses and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Why do I have to go to church? Because that's where you're going to learn right from wrong besides what I'm teaching you. It will reinforce this because you have a soul and you need to have it saved and I want you to be under the teached word, the taught word. Go to chapter 4 of the book of Joshua and recall that Joshua had led the children after uh, Moses died. He led them uh, out of the wilderness into the promised land. In chapter 4, verse 21, they had built an altar of, of rocks on the side of, of the Jordan. And in the middle of Jordan, 12 stones, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they're teaching their children their history. Chapter 4, verse 21. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask your fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? And ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the of the Jordan from <clears throat> from before you until he, you were uh, passed over at the Lord God uh, did to the as the Lord God did to the, the Red Sea which he dried up from before us until we were gone over and all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord which is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever you see God allowed the children of Israel to understand why they were serving Him. Because He brought them out of Egypt. Because He took them across into the promised land. And you and I, we're to train our children, our grandchildren, and our neighbor's children if they don't go to church. We're to train them as much as we can about God. What's the most important thing you can teach your child? Not how to drive. Not how to ride a bicycle, not how to ride a four-wheeler, not how to shoot a shotgun, not how to uh, throw out a fish rod. You teach them the Word of God. That's what's going to save their soul. That's what will mean eternity to them. Wouldn't it be sad if you had a child that died and it wasn't saved? You didn't do your part. If you didn't bring them up in the church. Just like we were talking about Jeremy. Jeremy got saved in this church. Well, he became a prodigal for a while, but look where he is now. Teaching. Teaching the Word of God to people that were just like him at one time. Had no hope. Dying of drugs. And now he's a man of God again. So, it's important, folks, that we emphasize this to those that, that we love and our families and our friends Notice what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, don't teach them the wrong things, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice what uh, Paul said to his preacher boy Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. 
but that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When those children are not under your roof and they're at the school or they're out with their friends and drugs or alcohol or, or promiscuous activities are proposed to them and they've been taught the Word of God in Sunday school and in youth meeting and, and in uh, youth classes, they'll know, they'll have a special uh, encouragement from the Holy Spirit not to get involved in what is wrong if you teach them. And so my friends, the Christian home, the Christian family, and the church involved in, in preserving godliness, possibly, I'm going to say possibly, can save America. Possibly. It can if we put our work and our mind to it. If we'll be Bible schoolers, if we'll teach our children, if we'll encourage our grandchildren, our neighborhood children, get them to church, go up and down the hollers and reach them for the Lord. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I do not know everyone's heart here today. I am not a heart reader. God is. But if you're here today and you're not saved, or you're here today and you're not where you ought to be with the Lord as a mom, a dad, a grandparent, and God is speaking to your heart through the word that has been given to you, that you need to step up to the plate and start doing better than what you have been. You need to recommit your life. You need to tell God you're sorry and you want to do all you can to rescue your children, your grandchildren, your neighborhood children. You want to do all you can to see that they go to heaven. When Jonna told her mother and I that she was pregnant, the first thing that came to my mind is, we've got to get these kids saved. We've got to see them come to know Jesus. It's your obligation to God, your obligation to your, your children to teach them about God. Now this video that we're going to see is about a man who who was wavered, hell-bound. He's going to tell you that. But he got saved. And he's singing about and preaching about God now. So look up and watch. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day as we look out and see all the, the beauty of creation. We thank you, our Father, for this day that's been set aside <clears throat> to honor fathers. <clears throat> we know that you're the good, good father. 
the best father, the father that we look to our whole life to lead, guide, and direct us. We thank you for our earthly fathers. We thank you for this day that we can come together and worship you, God, our Father. Now we pray, our Father, that your Holy Spirit will dwell amongst us in such a way that we will be fed the Word of God, that we will be encouraged by the Word of God, and if there be one here, Lord, that does not know you as the, their personal Savior, that they don't have a spiritual Father, that they might receive Him today into their heart, into their life, that they might know the peace that passes all understanding. Now, Father, we pray your blessing upon each uh, child that's in the classes that are being taught, and may they, Lord, learn of thee in such a way that they hide it in their heart that they might not sin against God. <clears throat> Lord, we pray for this class. We pray for each member of it, and we're thankful for all those who are here attending today. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, what a, a terrible mess it seems to be in, and a division among the people. And we know only you can bring about peace and honor, and may that be done. We pray in Jesus' name, thy help and Preaching, teaching your word today. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we'd like to uh, have the theme of the blueprint for the family. The blueprint for the family. If you have your Bibles and you're in Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I'm sure most of you know that a blueprint is a proposed document, or it could be, in this day and time, an elect the electronic design for the structure of a building. Now, God has a blueprint, a blueprint for the family. He initiated this plan in the Garden of Eden. When he brought together the first man and woman, he brought them together, which then he performed the first marriage and set a standard for the family unit. Let's read that standard in Genesis 2 and verse 18. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should live alone. I will make him a help fit for him. Then we drop down to verse 21. And God creates woman here. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. In other words, God performed the first operation, Dr. God. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto man. Now, we're looking at verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones 
and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his, unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let's go to Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter number 19. And now we're going to see that Jesus is going to quote what we just read from what Brother Moses wrote in the book of Genesis. Chapter 19 and verse number 3. The Pharisees also come to him, that's Jesus, testing him and said unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not heard that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Therefore they are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together let no man put asunder. So thus we see one man, one woman together in life for a monogamous relationship. That's God's blueprint. That's God's plan for the family. Now in this family unit, God ordained or set forth the Father to represent Him in the home. So the Father, the intent from the beginning was that the Father would represent God the Father in the home. Now, I know that if I were among those that are liberal and do not think the way that the Bible states, that I would be politically incorrect. But I want to be biblically correct. Therefore, I'm going to tell you that God intended for fathers to be the head of their home. Biblically, the father is the head and the final authority of the home. Mother is to be a supporter, a helpmate. We just read that in Genesis chapter 2. God created the woman to be a help to her husband. Now we can go to Ephesians chapter 5 and see what the Apostle Paul says about this situation. Ephesians chapter number 5, <clears throat> verses 22 through 25. And Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So now, husbands, we see here that we have a responsibility that we are to love our wives and our family and that we should be so much in love that we are willing to lay down our life for them. 
if it would come to that. Verse 28, Paul says, So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hath hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And so we see that the father's role is to shape the family. And as parents, to produce reverence in your home as the father is uh, the head of the home, as God is the head of the church, and God is our superior, uh, supreme uh, being that we reverence him. And the scripture teaches this in Exodus chapter 20. should be very familiar to you. If I say Exodus chapter 20, you should automatically know that is the Ten Commandments. And so we go to what Moses said to the children of Israel in verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the, upon the land which the Lord God giveth thee. And then we go to uh, Paul's writing in chapter 6 of Ephesians in verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. Children are to reverence or honor their, fa- their parents, and their lives will be long. That's God's promise to the family. Now, the natural character of God is illustrated in the title Father. Let's think about the most famous prayer that was prayed in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. name. This is uh, uh, honor to the name of God. Honor and glory to Him. And so this principle needs to be also seen in the family. That children honor their father and their mother. Now, here's we have the problem. A lot of fathers, especially in this day and time, aren't even in the home. They might be a biological contribution to the family, but that's about all they do. Our family life, our, our, our culture today has eliminated the role of father in many cases. So we have spiritually delinquent fathers that they destroy the image that God wanted to pre- the children and the family to perceive of him as the father would represent the heavenly father. And so we see that our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. Let's turn to Matthew chapter number 7. We heard in that song that we played this morning for our uh, offering. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. If then, being evil, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to them that ask him. So God wants every father and every home to represent him in reverence, 
and in doing good towards his family. But we have a lot of spiritually delinquent fathers that have destroyed this plan that God has set forth to teach to children. Either they're lost or they are out of fellowship dads. In other words, here's how they feel. They don't go to church. They use foul language. They curse God. They are abusers. They are drinkers. They make little of the church and the Christian life. This is, this is the per perception in most families today, even if the father is present. Thankful for a good number of godly men in our church. Now, kids draw conclusions from their fathers. A young man especially will look more towards his father than he will his mother if he's present. So we've got to understand <clears throat> that in doing this, we are telling our children how we feel about God by the way we behave ourselves. So if dad doesn't really love me, then God must not love me. This is the perception that children can possibly have. God doesn't place a personal interest in me, thus God must not really care for me. Dad doesn't, or dad says he loves me, but he never connects, he never corrects me. Therefore, God must love me, but he doesn't mind that I sin. These are perceptions that children can get from, from their fathers if they're not godly fathers. Dad is always angry. Thus, God must be an angry God. God hates black men. So, God must hate black men. Dad, Dad does not attend church. Thus, it must not be important. Or more for moms, since mom goes by herself so much. You see, these are perceptions that children can get simply by our behavior as men in the home. You see, fathers should set an example in teaching and training children about God. And mothers should reinforce that, what the father teaches. And the church, thirdly, you see, you're going to have three uh, underlying uh, supports here. The church, then, can teach and train and give double protection. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way she go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, why is this important? It's important because... <laughs> I'm sure everybody here understands why it's important in the depth uh, in, in the way that we're living today and the number of people are being killed and all the corruption and crime and, and chaos and lawlessness that's going on. Why is it important? Because the world's atmosphere is anti-God. It is anti-Christian, anti-church, and anti-family. Let's just take the... the the word education today. The word education, especially secular education. 
God is a dirty word. Did you know that? God is a dirty word. You can't pray in school. Can't read the Bible in school. Can't have the Ten Commandments posted on the wall. Can't sing Christmas carols. You can't have a nativity scene. Uh, a religious picture cannot be hung on the walls. Religious quotes have been taken out of the history books. Religion is not why, did you know this? Religion is not why the pilgrims came to America. Hmm. Why did they come then? They were, they were leaving a king that forced them to worship the way he ordained that they should. And so they left and they came across 3,000 miles of dangerous water to establish their own freedom of religion. But you know what schools can do? Schools can teach evolution that we came from lower life forms millions of years ago and we have evolved into what we are today. Well, for the six, last 6,000 years, man hasn't evolved at all. We've stayed the same. That's because man wasn't created but 6,000 years ago according to the book of Genesis. It's called creation. In the beginning, God created. But schools can teach witchcraft. Did you know that? Cultism. They can study from a humanistic point of view. They can have gay clubs. They can have same-sex bathrooms. They can teach children that gay relationships are normal and, and should be accepted. They can hand out condoms. They can send kids to abortion clinics. They can send kids to plant, Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, got caught selling human body parts from aborted babies recently. You see, society is evil and saturated with sex. Atheists and agnostics have equal rights. Activists want to do away with gender. No more father and mother. You're partners now. So call your husband your partner and husbands call your wife your partner and you'll be politically correct. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. Amen. Divorce destroys the home and family. Abortion murders innocent children and the Supreme Court of the United States approves it. Uh, euthanasia threatens the elderly. Y'all better be careful. Christians are pictured as hate mongers if we disagree with society as weak, as weird, as superstitious. That's the way we're viewed. These are reasons that fathers need to stand up on the principles of the Bible and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so parents, many unsaved parents and liberal Christians contribute to denying the importance of God to children. They say, don't do as I do, do as I say. So in other words, it's all right if I want to get drunk, but you can't. It's all right if I want to destroy my body with cigarettes, tobacco, and you can't. 
It's all right if I want to take some marijuana, but you can. Hey, listen, if you're going to do it, you might as well let them do it because they're going to sneak behind your back and do it if they see you do it. So set the right example. Inconsistent testimonies at home. Pray in church and cuss at the house. That's compromise. Jesus said in chapter 6 of Matthew and verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So you see, friends, children in this day and time are given too much and have little responsibility. And their attitude becomes this. If I destroy it, mom will just buy me another. That's their attitude. Children are allowed to use tobacco. Children are allowed to gamble, drink, watch R and X-rated movies, porn, violent video games, listen to music that cusses and degrades women, encourages drug and alcohol use and suicide. This is what they're listening to, this type of music today. They're allowed to go to their rooms and have sex. Believe me, I know this. They're allowed to smoke pot, experiment. And when we allow our children to do these things, we're saying to Hollywood and to the liberal media, we want more lewd. We want more sadistic. We want more sensuality. We want more of those kind of movies and programmings. Certainly this is satanically influenced. So what can a true Christian family do? What can a true Christian family do? First of all, we can set the biblical example. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Again, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So those of you who have reared your children in this church or in a church, you've done the right thing. Whether they wanted to come or didn't want to come, if they were here, they were under the Word of God. That's where they need to be. That's where they ought to be. Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> God emphasized to the families in Israel how they should rear their children. Chapter 6, we're going to read verse number 5. <clears throat> and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee today, shalt thou have them in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy ways, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Listen, friends. Bringing your children to Sunday school, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service is not going to kill them. It's going to help them in the long run. And thou shalt bind them. It's talking about the Word of God. Bind them as a sign upon their hand. 
And they shall be as frontlets between their eyes. And they shall write them upon the post of thy house and upon the gates. And they shall be when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land. He swore unto the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities which thou buildest not. I remember some, time, some years ago, ladies used to have home, home interior decorating parties. Any of you ladies ever been to one of those? Well, I knew if Debbie went, she's going to buy something to put on the wall. But I was thankful that a lot of that stuff was godly. And it had scripture verses that you could buy and hang on the wall. And I thought, well, that goes along with, with the, what God says in the book of Deuteronomy here. Putting the scripture in front of our kids where they can see it. Give them scriptural reasons for a Christian standard. So we look at, let's look at a few of those that the Jews used to, to uh, uh, teach their children. Exodus chapter 12, verse 26. The children of, of Israel had just sacrificed the Passover lamb. Chapter 12, verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What means ye by this service? That ye shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered them out of the houses and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Why do I have to go to church? Because that's where you're going to learn right from wrong besides what I'm teaching you. It will reinforce this because you have a soul and you need to have it saved and I want you to be under the teached word. The taught word. Go to chapter 4 of the book of Joshua. And recall that Joshua had led the children after uh, Moses died. He led them uh, out of the wilderness into the promised land. In chapter 4 verse 21. They had built an altar of, of rocks on the side of of the Jordan, and in the middle of Jordan, twelve stones, which represented the twelve tribes of Israel. And so they're teaching their children their history, chapter 4, verse 21. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask your fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? And ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of, of the Jordan from, <clears throat> from before you until he, you were uh, passed over at the Lord God uh, did to the, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. And all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, which is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. You see, God allowed the children of Israel to understand why they were serving Him. Because He brought them out of Egypt. Because He took them across into the promised land. And you and I, we're to train our children, our grandchildren, 
And our neighbor's children, if they don't go to church, we're to train them as much as we can about God. What's the most important thing you can teach your child? Not how to drive. Not how to ride a bicycle. Not how to ride a four-wheeler. Not how to shoot a shotgun. Not how to uh, throw out a fish rod. You teach them the Word of God. That's what's going to save their soul. That's what will mean eternity to them. Wouldn't it be sad if you had a child that died and it wasn't saved? You didn't do your part. If you didn't bring them up in the church. Just like we were talking about Jeremy. Jeremy got saved in this church. Well, he became a prodigal for a while. But look where he is now. Teaching. Teaching the Word of God to people that were just like him at one time. Had no hope. Dying of drugs. And now he's a man of God again. So it's important, folks, that we emphasize this to those that, that we love and our families and our friends. Notice what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, don't teach them the wrong things. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice what uh, Paul said to his preacher boy Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When those children are not under your roof and they're at the school or they're out with their friends and drugs or alcohol or or promiscuous activities are proposed to them and they've been taught the Word of God in Sunday school and in youth meeting and, and in uh, youth classes, they'll know, they'll have a special uh, encouragement from the Holy Spirit not to get involved in what is wrong if you teach them. And so my friends, the Christian home, the Christian family, and the church involved in, in preserving godliness, possibly, I'm going to say possibly, can save America. Possibly. It can if we put our work and our mind to it. If we'll be Bible schoolers, if we'll teach our children, if we'll encourage our grandchildren, our neighborhood children, get them to church, Go up and down the hollers and reach them for the Lord. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I do not know everyone's heart here today. I am not a heart reader. God is. But if you're here today and you're not saved... Or you're here today and you're not where you ought to be with the Lord as a mom, a dad, a grandparent. And God is 
speak into your heart through the word that has been given to you that you need to step up to the plate and start doing better than what you have been. You need to recommit your life. You need to tell God you're sorry and you want to do all you can to rescue your children, your grandchildren, your neighborhood children. You want to do all you can to see that they go to heaven. When Jonna told her mother and I that she was pregnant, the first thing that came to my mind is we've got to get these kids saved. We've got to see them come to know Jesus. It's your obligation to God, your obligation to your, your children to teach them about God. Now this video that we're going to see is about a man who, who was wayward, hell-bound. He's going to tell you that. But he got saved. And he's singing about and preaching about God now. So look up and watch. Mm -hmm. 